Please join together and sing loudly with Renee Rancourt as he performs tonight's national anthem. Representing all of Boston's first responders, please welcome the Boston Fire Department Honor Guard to present tonight's colors. What's so and welcome back to The Forgotten Conservative. That was Renee Rancourt, um, National Anthem, April of 2013. And um, that was the first Bruins, Boston Bruins hockey game after... after the uh, Boston bombing. And for those of you guys that don't follow hockey, um, shame on you. I mean, my daddy uh, started, I think, the first hockey game I went to, I was four, maybe five. Um, in fact, funny story, uh, I'm the oldest of three brothers. So when I was born, my dad was overseas, 68 back during Vietnam and, uh, middle brother comes along, dad's there for the birth. And then, uh, Donnie comes along. I think circus 1974 and uh, so dad's in the hospital room and uh, I'm me and Davey we're staying uh, maybe with my grandfather maybe with uh, my dad's mom I'm not sure where I was this is just a family story so anyway he's sitting there and He's fidgety and uh, mom's sitting there laying in the bed and her mama is with her. And as the story goes, grandma says, you know, what, what's going on? Why, why are you so fidgety? Why are you so anxious? And he said, well, I, you know, I just want to make sure 
she's okay, the baby's okay, and, and uh, you know, I, I just nervous about <laughs> the child being born, my child being born. And somebody says, yeah, 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 you know, we're okay. And dad goes, well, good, because I got hockey tickets and the game starts in 20 minutes. <laughs> so hockey is a part of our family. And especially nowadays with the NFL, with the way everything is um, typically over the past several years, my two favorite times of the year is the fall. The weather down here in Florida starts cooling down and uh, you have baseball playoffs. And then the two months of hockey playoffs. The hockey playoff, there's nothing better in sports to me than the hockey playoffs. Um, now, I will say, being a Rangers fan, um, I don't care for Boston <laughs> very much, but uh, that was a stirring rendition. And another hockey tradition is that these guys have uh, the same singer doing the national anthem. I mean, that's, for some of these guys, that's their job, is to do the national anthem. Of course, they have other, I guess, singing gigs, so on and so forth. But uh, this that particular guy, Renee Rancourt, has done Boston Brewing games for many, many years. Now, again, that was back after the Boston bombing, so I don't know if he's currently still doing it. But most singers, the, the, a, you know, of course, that's the first Bruins home game after the bombing. But most singers would have kept going. He was so gracious the crowd just erupted, and, and it was nothing planned. There were there was nothing there was nothing in print. There was nothing. It just happened. And not only did he stop singing, because he could have. He's got a, a a voice, a booming voice. He could have drowned them out with a microphone. But he stopped. He stopped singing. And encouraged the crowd. Uh, where is that spirit in America today? Why does it take a catastrophic event such as the Boston bombing, 9-11, um, Pearl Harbor. Why does it take such a catastrophic event to bring this country together? The reason, quite simply, is the left. You know, I go back, uh, and I'm getting off track here, but I, I feel this is important. Uh, I talk about philosophy and history because it is so significant. And I think I may have mentioned uh, Aesop's fables before and then you bring in some of these philosophers Rousseau, Hegel uh, which Hegel is pretty much known as uh, the first philosopher since Aristotle to 
to try and attempt to cover everything, everything known at that time. Uh, and a lot of Marx, Engel, these guys, Hegel was the beginning of that, uh, the genesis of, of that type of philosophy. And part of that philosophy is founded or rooted in division. Uh, you go to some of our current and past uh, recent leaders, Biden, uh, Obama, Hillary Clinton, that were so wrapped up in the Saul Alinsky uh, philosophy and tactics and division, Cloward uh, uh, um, and Piven. Division, the destruction of society, the tearing down of the foundation. That's why, you know, right or wrong, these monuments, civil war, whatever it is, that's why it's so significant to the left because you tear down those traditions. Civil war monuments are physical things. Uh, I heard a story recently, or I may have read an article where uh, a statue of uh, General Robert E. Lee has resurfaced on a golf course or maybe a, a resort in Texas. But the point is, those are physical things. The left's not content to stop there. The traditions, the morals, the fabric, that binds this country together is what they're getting at. They're not going to be content until they destroy that. Because once that destruction is either finished or close to being finished, then they can rebuild it in their image. And that's part of the, that's been the, that's been the progressive mindset for, let's see, what is this, 2021? So let's say 120 years, which is about the uh, agreed upon, uh, beginning of the progressive movement, the, probably the term, I still contend that it goes back to the early, maybe 1820s, 1830s, with John C. Calhoun uh, in the positive good theory of slavery, because as far as I know, and, and what little bit of, I say research, but knowledge that I've attained, John C. Calhoun was the first to say that the positive good came from a basis of science and floated the notion that even though it was only 1830s, mid-1830s, they knew more at that point than the founders did in 1787 when the Constitution was born. So that's where the, the point of view that they come from. They, they just know more. <clears throat> 
Excuse me. So, anyway, that is not how I wanted to start to tonight, today's podcast. It's 0756. I uh, worked overnight last night, but nevertheless, uh, I heard Biden and Papa Joe, this guy, he, you know, I don't watch news. Uh listen to very few podcasts anymore and just here and there sporadically uh i just try to comb news sites and get my information there because i'm i'm at the point where everybody has an agenda and and so when you see a headline and you start reading the story it's it's like what is the agenda here? And, and and we shouldn't have to do that. We we should not have to discern what the author of a story's agenda is. It, it should be that somebody has done their job in learning everything they can about today's subject, whatever it may be. And so they're just going to give it to us. And at the time of print, this is the information that was known. And they're going to put it out there. And then tomorrow, if there's an update or new information, then they'll update the story. May print a correction on the back pages, but that's beside the point. So I, and I don't know, this may have been last week. Biden has a, Papa Joe has a press conference and he's saying, oh, uh, we're going to encourage Walmart to stay open 24 hours, UPS, FedEx. Well, Behind the scenes, those three businesses that he mentioned are all open 24 hours a day. Now, you may not be able to go to the UPS store or your local Walmart 24 hours a day, but trust me, those organizations are running 24 hours a day. Just like the post office. Oh, well, the post office is closed on federal holidays. You know, Christmas and Columbus Day. and The, the post office never stops, never sleeps. Walmart, FedEx, UPS. Many of the businesses... Corp, uh, corporations and companies are running 24 hours a day behind the scenes. So he says uh, to relieve some of the supply chain demands and issues, these guys have agreed that they're going to do this. You've not done anything, bud. Okay. Yeah. They're, they're already doing it. I, I, I wanted to touch on this supply chain issue because there's so much more behind the scenes that most people don't know. So going into the weekend, we were facing probably about a hundred of these cargo ships into the ports just off the coast of California. Now, that 
the coast of California is the most direct route from China. Here in Florida and up and down the East Coast, we get ships from all over also. I know here in Jacksonville, we have issues because we can't take these container ships. Uh, we can only take them up to a certain extent because our waterway is not deep enough. So there's a constant battle to dredge and make the waterway deep enough to take bigger ships to compete with other ports up and down the East Coast or Tampa, uh, St. Pete, maybe Gulfport, Mississippi, and ports, you know, <coughs> excuse me, up on the uh, Gulf side. So th all this is uh, a constant dynamic. So when you get to LA, Long Beach, and those ports there in that general area, they're constantly competing with each other. Well, there's a, a bigger problem with China being on that side of the world than on the East Coast side. The problem with these container ships going into California, as opposed to many of the ports on the East Coast or in the Gulf, is regulations. Those are things that we don't understand. We don't, they're behind the scenes. All we know is when we go to Walmart or we go to the local grocery store, is the item that I want on the shelf. Whether it's toilet paper, paper towels, uh, all these things that were in short supply a year and a half ago when, when this outbreak started. That's, that's all we're concerned about. When you look at the regulations between the East and the West Coast, especially when you talk about a state like Florida versus California, it, it is a stark contrast, literally black and white contrast in the regulations. There's a website called Zero Hedge that ran a story a few days ago uh, and unfortunately due to my work schedule, I haven't been able to to do a podcast before tonight or this morning, but it kind of covers some of the regulations just in California, but that addresses that state's regulations. But there's many onerous regulations on the truck driving industry as a whole. And some of which I'll, I'll get into later on. But I want to address this article that was at uh, Zero Hedge that's uh, kind of a version uh, of the Drudge Report. Although the Drudge is uh, more of an aggregate site as opposed to actually having staff writers. Whereas Zero Hedge uh, actually has staff that does stories and legitimate uh, research, etc. Uh, I want to give a hat tip to Mark Levin. I heard about this site through listening to his podcast, and there's others I'll discuss. Uh, one of which is in this particular article, PJ Media, which is one of the ones that I'll comb through. Um, you know, I try to get through them on a daily basis. But uh, this particular story is titled Empty Christmas Stockings, 
Don't blame COVID, blame California. The author is Tyler Durden. Um, starts, and I'm gonna, it's a pretty short article, so I'm gonna try to read it, hopefully, time permitting. Uh, the conventional wisdom from the left is that COVID is the reason that shipping containers are in the waters off California with no stevedores or truckers available to take care of them. The implication, of course, is that if the people would stop being selfish and take the vaccines, the whole problem would manage, magically vanish. That's nonsense. As a couple of astute articles explain, the problem is that California has passed two laws, one for climate change and one as a SOP to the unions that destroyed much of California's trucking industry. Add in woes unique to the industry and COVID payments that discourage people from working and voila, empty Christmas stockings. Stephen Green at PJ Media that I mentioned earlier explain some of what's going on. As a preliminary matter, truckers are aging out of the job and new ones aren't coming along because of federal law that requires that truckers be at least 21. Kids who leave school at 17 or 18 get involved in other careers, leaving trucker shortfalls. Women don't offset this problem because as is typical for most physically difficult jobs, it's not their thing. There are long-term problems. The short-term problem, though, is that California has passed laws taking trucks off the road. Twitter user Jerry Oakley reminds us, carriers domiciled in California with trucks older than 2011 or injured engines manufactured before 2010 will need to meet the board's new truck and bus regulation beginning in 2020. Otherwise, their vehicles will be blocked from registration with the state's DMV. The requirement is to purchase electric trucks, which don't exist. Electric trucks do not exist. He continues, Sundance at Conservative Treehouse, which by the way is another good website, expands on this, explaining that the EPA reached an agreement with the California Air Resource Board. You gotta be kidding me. California Air Resource Board? I'll continue. To shut down semi-tractor rigs that were non-compliant with new California emission standards, in effect, what this 2020 determination and settlement created was an inability of half the nation's truckers from picking up anything at the Port of LA or Port of Long Beach. Virtually all private owner operator trucks and half of the fleet trucks that are used for moving containers across the nation were shut out. So 50% of owner operators were shut out of the ports as well as about 50% of large company uh, logistics. So there's, you've got J.B. Hunt, you've got uh, Schneider, there's uh, Cohen, all these national companies that have drivers all over the country. So not only 50% of the owner-operators are shut out, about half of the company drivers and their equipment is shut out. In an effort to offset the problem, transportation companies 
started using compliant trucks, aka low emission, to take the products to the California state line where they can be transferred to non-compliant trucks who cannot enter California. However, the scale of the problem creates an immediate bottleneck that builds over time. It doesn't matter if the ports start working 24-7. They are only going to end up with even more containers waiting on a limited amount of available trucks. So, in essence, what you've got is if the ports are running 12 on and 12 off and they start going 24-7, even though we know that first shift, if you've worked any type of shift work on a production basis, first shift produces more than second, second produces more than third but you're still up 24 hours, you're still producing. So if you don't have enough drivers to support your operation at 12 on, 12 off, or uh, 16 on, eight off, whatever the case was, does it really matter? What's gonna happen when you start running these ports 24-7, you're going to have these longshoremen coming in there and they're going to start unloading ships and their docks, so to speak, are going to be full and filled to capacity because you don't have enough truckers for every container that comes off the ship you need a truck driver to take it somewhere. Some of these containers or these ships, they may have five, six, seven, hell, I don't even know how what the capacity is for the large ships. Five to seven, 10,000 containers. So that's the number of truck drivers you need to have a fluid transition process. And if you've got guys, truck drivers, all up and down the California coast sitting at truck stops waiting on a container to come off of a ship, loaded onto the back of a truck, and driven across the border into uh, Nevada or, or you know any state from California, next door to California. The driver that is compliant. is basically out of service for, I would say, at least another 12, 18 hours. Because he can't just run that container, drop it off, go back and do it again. He's got 11 driving hours in a day, up to... 14 hours, quote unquote, to work in a day. So if he's picking up in LA and he gets in a traffic jam and he's going across the Nevada line and it takes him eight hours to get there and his job is to drop that container and then head right back to LA. Well, he's that you're looking at a 24 hour round trip. 
when you work third shift. And I've seen this over the last two or three years. Local businesses are not open 24 hours a day. Yeah, your Walmarts, your Amazons, your cold storage facilities, those places run 24 hours a day. So most of your local deliveries are quote unquote normal business hours. So these now, if, if the containers coming over or coming off of the ships are steel wheel transport, or I say steel wheel trains, then intermodal, then those guys can do three, maybe four runs a night. They get a container off the ship. They go to a local rail yard, drop that container off, pick up a chassis, go back to the port, get another container loaded, and then do that. But again, they have 14 hours to drive 11. So you can see these laws, these regulations start adding up. In this article, when they talk about the trucks manufactured prior to 2010, they're talking about the trucks that do not run what we call in the industry, DEF. D-E-F, diesel exhaust fuel. Now, most of you probably have never heard of DEF. Okay. What this is, it's some type of fluid. You have a separate tank, DEF tank. And when you go to the truck stop, you put your diesel in both sides, and then you fill your death tank. This is designed to allow the diesel to run smoother. Also, which isn't at expense, by the way, the death is more than diesel. Okay, so you got gas, which is now 305 or 310, average around the country. You got diesel, which is probably 350 or 360. Death, the last I looked, is higher than the diesel. And if you've got one of these trucks manufactured after 2011, and you try to uh, skimp, on your death, you're in for a rude awakening because that truck will not run. So that's another added onerous regulation in the vein of global warming or climate change, which is the point of what this author is, is basically saying is that this crap has nothing to do with COVID. Nothing. These port guys, longshoremen, they could give two craps about uh, man mandates on vaccines. Yeah, they're in California. But just like the post office, Biden exempted the post office because Biden is beholden to the unions. By and large. Post office unions are a national thing. Longshoremen, national. Uh, 
you look at nurses unions, uh, flight attendant unions, those are more regional based unions. The ones that are getting these exemptions are national unions. Not all of them, not all national unions are, but there's a select few. And of course, mind you, that Biden has the ability to waive any so-called mandate for a certain industry. Of course, I don't think any of it's constitutional anyway, but I digress. <clears throat> so we leave off where companies, they were doing this handoff at the state line. That's the first problem. The author continues, problem number two, according to Green, is California's infamous AB5, a law that, as a SOP to the Democrats' beloved unions, killed the gig economy. Traditionally, the ports have been served by owner-operators, Oakley says, who are non-union. But under AB5, California has now banned owner-operators. Just like the union longshoremen, union truckers work under a whole host of work rules that simply can't accommodate crisis conditions like the one in LA. Incidentally, Green says that AB5's language is included in, guess what? The Build Back Better bill in Congress. So not only are these guys already, is this a thing in California? The exact same language is in Biden's Build Back Better plan. All this means that Biden's grandstanding about having the ports operate 24-7 won't make a difference. The greenies and the unions killed the infrastructure to unload these ships with COVID restrictions, trucking restrictions, and free money landing the coup de grace that led to this situation. Biden does have the emergency power to order those California laws in abeyance. But, you know, he's not going to do so. Of course, the more serious underlying problem is that in a distant, wonderful past, America didn't need to rely on containers from Asia to fill her stores. And it goes on to uh, lament that America no longer manufactures these goods that we are now relying on from China, India, and other Asian ports on the other side of the globe. So that's just a small part of what you've got in California. And we don't realize everything that's involved. It, um, and as I was saying that, there's a, a piece that I'm, I'm going to cover. I'll have to make a note here that talks about the manufacture of a product and what the, the chain of events that takes place from the beginning to the end. And, and so I mentioned earlier, we don't know all the steps. All we know is that when we go to the store, the item we want is either there or it's not. And if it's not, we want to know why. We want to know who to blame. But oftentimes, it's not a specific who. It's a conglomeration of events, of circumstances that have accumulated over time, whether it be a few months, 
or many, many years. But this climate change, this global warming horse pucky, I'm, I'm telling you right now, the guys of whatever this is, is a mask for Marxism, socialism, or whatever you want to describe it as. But global warming slash climate change has one purpose. That purpose is to destroy this country to slow us down because we have no business being the world's superpower. We don't deserve it. We're not good enough. We're not good enough stewards of nature, of the planet, George Carlin did a piece on this stuff <laughs> and it's hilarious, but part of that was, he said, ask those people <laughs> that are frozen for eternity in Pompeii if they're a threat to the planet today or ask those people those thousand people that are buried under earthquake rubble in Mexico if they're a threat to the planet today I'm not, I don't have the time to go into it and, and I will address it at some point but mark my word, just like what happened in Dallas and the state of Texas last winter, and I was there, brother. I was in Dallas, and I've, I've mentioned this before, and I had to get out. Flew to Pittsburgh to repo a truck, a semi. To get out of Dallas. That was the only way. You couldn't order Domino's. You couldn't order Uber. Nothing. They were shut down. Because. Of fossil fuel. They wanted wind and solar, and you cannot store that energy. And just as a side note, get on the Google and look at heat-related deaths in the United States over the past 30 years, 50 years and look at the number of cold-related deaths in that same time frame. It's astonishing, the difference. You don't have maybe less than 5% of heat related deaths as you do from cold related deaths. And that's just not in the US, that's worldwide. But this false premise, this hoax, if not 
checked or kept in check, in check. Added with the morals, the values, the virtues, the traditions, the history, the cultures that this uh, country was founded on. which they're attacking from all directions. And they'll throw up a shiny object, just like yesterday or Sunday, whatever, I don't even know what today is, um, that blankety-blank Stephanopoulos, peep squeak shrimp Stephanopoulos, has Christopher Steele on his Sunday show, which hopefully I'll get to. But all that is, is a shiny object to, to take your attention off the serious crap that's going on. Anyway, we are about out of time. So uh, like, share, subscribe, uh, feedback, comments, etc. And again, thank you for playing along and listening to the Forgotten Conservative. Enjoy your day.